Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Skull Search Podcast. My name is Tyler Fornis, and with me today is a good friend of mine, and he is an expert all things Washington Huskies, and we're going to talk some of their prospects today. The former editor of the Husky Hall and current associate recruiting editor of RealDog.com, Roman Tomasoff. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. I do have to correct you. It's Tomashoff, but you know, we're all good there. <laughs> Tomashoff. Hey, you know what? It's it's the Boston thing. I, I just don't care. It happens a lot. It ha- I I was Thomas off for three years on a uh, on stick to football, so I just I, I sort of roll with it now. Yeah. Well, perfect. <laughs> um, obviously, uh, we've had a lot of conversations behind the scenes about some of these Washington guys, and I wanted to bring you on because I think all four of them potentially could be Viking selections here on uh, day two and early day three. Uh, so let's just kind of jump right in, man. Uh, Joe Tryon, yeah, you kind of oh. ribbed me last night about Joe Tryon and, and his run fits, and I agree with you. You can stop yelling at me now. Uh, Tryon, for me currently right now, I believe is my edge three. He's, he's just a really good football player. Uh, what are your kind of overarching thoughts on Joe Tryon? I, I love Joe, man. As a high school guy, he was just this big athletic dude that like everyone was just like, oh, we, we wanted to see him on campus. We wanted to see him in games and he didn't necessarily get an opportunity. He redshirted in 2017 and then uh, like do a couple of injuries and just watching him on the field, the coaches were able to get him onto the field a little bit in 2018 and there was a lot of promise shown. And then 2019, it was just sort of a, all right, like it's time to throw this guy into the fire and just see what he can do. And as, as you were saying, we were having a, a discussion earlier in the week about especially like his game early on in the year against Cal. And he, when it comes to run fits, he's not necessarily an A1 type player, but he's just so raw and he's got so much athleticism and so much upside at 6'5", 262, that any team is going to be more than happy to have him and he can play standing up. He can play with his hand in the dirt because Washington, as I, you alluded to me that their defensive scheme is so complex and there's, there's so much movement and just so much, I, I just call it peculiar alignments going on there at times that it's hard to follow, but it's great for a guy like Tryon who has so many different roles that he can play because he can drop into coverage at times when he needs to. He's awesome rushing the passer. And then as, as I alluded to, he's getting so much better in his run fits that he's just, a, he's becoming a complete player and he's still only scratching the surface of his potential because he set that out for the, uh, the 2020 season. Yeah, and it's really unfortunate with a couple of these really high-profile defensive line guys. You've got Tryon, Gregory Rousseau, Jalen Twyman. All of them are projected to be those first couple-day picks, but not being able to see them is really kind of hurt. But uh, you were talking to me about the fact that his bend just really wasn't there 100% in 2019, and he's really been working on it. With his athletic profile and kind of everything that you know with your insider knowledge, how is he going to continue to grow in that area? And can he become a, an excellent bend around the edge? I, I think he can, because it's something that like, as we've seen in his recent workout tapes, he really is working on it. And I haven't had any firsthand access to talk to anyone that he's currently working out with, 
but it's something from when you look at just where he is now, it's very obvious that everything else is there. He's getting way better as a hand fighter. He's not this one-dimensional, this is his go-to move that works type guy. There's a little bit of everything going on there, and he he knows that that and it looks like his trainers know that that's the next step he needs to take as a player to get to the next level. Yeah. And I'm really excited to see what he can do because he has the technical elements. He obviously he is a great hand fighter and he doesn't just have one move in the chest, which for somebody who is as athletic as him to see that coming out is really good. Cause obviously there are Daniel hunters of the world where they have absolutely nothing going for him, except just raw power and athleticism and you can refine it, but having some refinement, is always a big plus. Oh, absolutely. And it's something that I know your guy, Jalen Phillips, watching him early on at UCLA, it was just all this raw athleticism and this raw talent that needed to be refined. And it's very, very, very similar to what uh, happened with Joe Tryon at Washington. And there are other guys in the room where you can see that that sort of similar thing is happening. And somebody that people are going to want to keep an eye on for next year is Zion Tupola Fatui. He had that same just ginormous athletic profile. He's 6'3", 6'4", around 280. Uh, He recorded seven and a half sacks in just four games this season. And it's a very similar thing where early on it was, ooh, this guy's a freak athlete and he's got a lot going for him. But there's just so much more refinement that needs to happen. And we saw that a lot this year. We're going to continue to see it next year, which speaks to the development that the coaching staff can put together, but also just speaks to just sort of the athletic profile of this new kind of edge rusher mold, where it's a bit of a hybrid outside linebacker, defensive end kind of guy who can do a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. As, as far as his projection, you obviously said that Trian can fill a lot of different roles. If you were to pick the absolute perfect role for him to be the most successful, where would you want to place him? You know, personally, I think I would place him as an outside linebacker in a scheme kind of like what the Denver Broncos or the Chicago Bears are kind of doing. And I know this is a conversation we had a couple weeks ago where I said, put him on the Bears, have him on the other side of Khalil Mack and let him just learn on the fly which I think would be really, really fun personally. I know you would hate that yeah. as a Vikings fan. <laughs> but one thing about like just having him in a situation like that is he can sort of drop into coverage a little bit more. And while that's not necessarily my favorite thing for him to do because I love just watching him with his ears pinned back and just going after the quarterback, it's something that he can truly show his athleticism and everything that he can do on the football field. And in sort of like a Shaquille Barrett type role, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. No, that makes total sense, which I, it kind of leads me to think like Mike Zimmer with uh, Joe Tryon could kind of lead him to play him in some Anthony Barr type roles and put his hand in the dirt. And, oh, that just gets me all giddy. As a Vikings, as a Vikings fan, you don't get to enjoy offense like you should with the talent. So you just get to enjoy the nerd stuff on defense. But let's. Hey, man, I'm a Patriots fan. I enjoyed nothing this season. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Well, you got Camp almost beating Russell Wilson. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was that was an intense game. But outside of that, I was just kind of like, all right, cool. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Enjoy McCorkle Jones. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't be mad about that. Yeah. It, it, he, I think he could thrive in the Earhart Perkins system, but Levi and Wuzurike, why Ooh. should I not love him? There's no reason to not love Levi. Uh, everything 
is there. He's just, and the one thing that always stands out to me from, and it's something that uh, one of one of my buddies says a decent amount is just he he can be in the backfield before the guard is out of his stance. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where he like he he has all the moves. He's refined. He can fight with his hands. He doesn't have just one move. He's powerful. He's quick. He's a little bit undersized for the role that I think he's going to play at the next level, which is a, a, like a pure four three defensive tackle. But he's just so explosive that he can be a three down guy at the next level he does everything that you would ask of a guy in the role that I see him playing at the next level. Yeah. And that first step was evident on film day one and it was, Ooh, baby. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> one thing that kind of worries me about on was is that kind of ties back into how Washington utilized their players, especially on the defensive line. You described it to me as a hockey lines where they're just rotating guys all across the board in and out. And one thing that kind of concerns me is, is that conditioning going to hinder him early on because he's not really playing more than like 40 snaps a game from the games that I was watching. No, you're, you're hundred percent right there. And as we just alluded to someone else who sat up the 2020 season in Levi, he, I, I think that was the right move for him personally, because when we look at the rest of this defensive cl- defensive line class, it's not necessarily the strongest per se con- compared to some of the other, other years that we've seen, but with a guy like Levi, he's had that time to, again, just like Joe Tryon on his bed, he's had time to answer these questions and he's had time to go out there and look at the film and just say, Oh, I, in time, times hopefully with talking to scouts they would say all right look we don't see you playing as a three down lineman for the entire game because you're not necessarily playing all these snaps at the next level but at the same time we've seen it not necessarily on the same level but Vita Vea the same way where he he rotated out and Vita's a different story because he's just a monster who mm-hmm. no matter what he's not coming off the field but he still did have those times where he had to rotate in and out because of what Pete Krakowski liked to run at Washington. Um, and I, I think that you're going to see the same thing with Levi because look at, um, for example, Greg Gaines right now down with the Rams. He's still rotating in and out a decent amount and he's successful when he's on the field. And I think that Levi could play a similar role and especially he's a much better pass rusher than Greg Gaines is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he can play a very similar role to what Gaines is doing with the Rams right now. No, I think that makes total sense. And yeah, Levi is a very fun guy because I think you can put him at three technique. He can play as a nose, but I don't think he should. I, I think, don't either. I think he would be fun as a nose if you're going if you're going small ball on like third down. I think he could be a real disruptor. But yep. one element that I would be interested in to see is, do you think that he could project out as a five tech and a three four? And would he, would he be successful at that role? He's got the size for it, but does his game translate? I, I would say not necessarily. And it's, it's a little bit to do with the size and a little bit just to do with how he works because it, in the defense that Washington plays, it's for the most part, it's a two, 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 five. And I know you hate that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, for its two defensive tackles, there are no pure defensive ends in the scheme. It's the two outside linebackers, two inside linebackers, and then the base set really is five defensive backs. 
so the way that it as, that he works is that he's always sort of had to play that three technique mm-hmm. next to a space eater, whether it be guys that only only I'm gonna uh, know right now because this is this is basically the only tape I grind. Uh, a Sam Taimani or a Tuli Latuli Gasanoa or these bigger space eater type guys where he's got these chances to go one-on-one with the offensive guard and he's got these opportunities to thrive more in his own role while these bigger guys take on the uh the double team so he gets this this one-on-one opportunity you know and i hear you there i think that he would be a fantastic fit for the minnesota vikings right next to that space eater as you alluded to michael pierce uh obviously an opt out for the 2020 season because of COVID-19, but having him as that guy who they've been searching for ever since Sharif Floyd's botched knee operation in 2016, I think could really make a big impact for the Minnesota Vikings. And imagine him clearing up running lanes uh, for Eric Kendricks to just go fill. Oh, that'd be perfect. Uh, It would be absolutely dirty. Now comes the nerd part of the scouting session because oh yeah yeah i know (laughs) that you love these two corners and so does mike zimmer he is absolutely obsessed with cornerback and the draft style for the minnesota vikings since he took over they've drafted trey waynes jeff gladney mike hughes all in round one mackenzie alexander in round two and cameron dantzler in round three and it's no secret that they keep throwing assets at the position. So these are two guys I could absolutely seeing them target in that round three range because they don't have that round two pick. And we'll start with Elijah Molden. The little bit I have exposure of him because I haven't got to sit down and formally write a report on him yet. He's just a dog in the middle and just in the slot. He's got some good ball skills that elaborate for me on Elijah Molden and why I should be excited as a Vikings fan. Oh man. Uh, Elijah. Washington's defensive backs, they're probably my favorite position group to watch year in and year out because Jimmy Lake just knows how to develop them. And then they're just so good. Like Sidney Jones is one of my favorite guys to watch. And while Elijah is not Sidney Jones, I think that uh, Elijah will be probably, I I would say one of the the higher picks. I almost left out Buda Baker from that discussion and that – uh, that would have been bad. <laughs> Kevin King too, but I I do have bad news for you, Tyler. I don't think he's going to be there by the end of uh, by the middle of round three because I just Elijah is just a dog, as as you said. He's a nickel guy primarily in the in the uh, the Washington defense, but as he told me, he was over the last two years. He got a lot more snaps at safety as a junior and senior, he said he was a safety in the base packages and then moved to nickel in the, in all the sub packages. But the thing about Elijah is that I think that he truly couldn't succeed as a boundary corner in the NFL because he's super athletic. I I've seen questions about his speed come up, which is just the most ridiculous thing that I've ever seen because in his last, um, the, the Huskies do a combine every year and they'll publish some of the top results. Uh, Elijah ran a four, four, two, at the last Husky combine. And then I'm sure with some, uh, some adjustments to his form and then actually training for it, he could get down into the four threes with that kind of athleticism. His Washington loves their guys with a good three cone. So he's got that short area quickness. Uh, I think he could succeed as a boundary corner at the next level, but I don't necessarily think that's the role that they're going to use him in because he said that um, he's been watching a lot of tape on Tyron Matthew. 
So he's been able to move around the formation and he's, he uh, loves talking about his versatility saying I'm ready to do anything that a, uh, that an NFL team is, uh, is going to ask of me, whether it be nickel, whether it be safety, just anything that they want. And I don't think that necessarily sticking him at safety is going to be the best option. Shout out to PFF who keeps saying that he's just strictly a safety. Um, but the thing about Elijah is technically he's perfect. He's got a high football IQ for most of his junior year. He was actually the signal caller. Uh, which is something that, yeah, it's it's something that you don't don't necessarily see very often at the uh, at the college level or any level really for that matter. So it's just one of those things where he is everything that you would want in a corner prospect and then some. Wow, I was not expecting you to tell me that he was a signal caller. You don't even see like safeties be the signal caller. It's almost always the middle linebacker that's that guy, just because he's kind of them as the mic, you're in the middle of that defense and you can kind of see things. Uh, you talk about Molden being a guy who can translate outside. And just by the little snippets I've grabbed of him with that short area quickness and that uh, good long speed, it feels like he does have the tools, but I, I kind of want to throw an interesting comparison because obviously we talked about Sean Wade a lot in the, this summer and how he was going to make that transition outside corner and how he could be successful doing it. Does his lack of success at being able to translate out there and him just getting absolutely worked week in and week out that give you any kind of worry about Elijah Molden. Obviously they're two different players, but when you see a high profile guy go outside and then just get torched, it does raise some general overall concerns about others trying to make that transition. Not necessarily because the one thing that I, that I look for in like, especially in a guy like Molden is is just the the technical aspect of his game. And I know I just said he's technically perfect. And I mean that when I say that, because he, like, I've, I've watched him play man coverage against tight ends. And at 5'10", which is probably what he's going to measure in at, when he's able to lock up some of these six foot three, six foot four tight ends, I truly have no concern about him moving to the outside because he's got the athleticism that he needs to succeed. And look at a guy, the, the one comparison that I've, I've, been shouting from the rooftops for the last year and a half or so now when it comes to Elijah's Jair Alexander. And I know it's, it's very bold, but he has that same sort of athleticism. And I don't necessarily think a team is going to use him in the same role as the Packers are using Jair, but they're the same in, in my opinion, personally, they're the same player when it comes to their, their build, their athleticism and what they can do technically, because I, I, it's just, for me, it's, it's very, it, it's very, very similar. That's some high praise. And I wouldn't be shocked to see him go at that uh, top around two, but I am going to cross my fingers and hope that people <laughs> are just stupid because the NFL, they always let somebody slide. And maybe that can be for the Minnesota Vikings. So we can keep Gladney on that outside. Keith Taylor. Oh, I know, yeah. I know you are a big Keith Taylor guy as well. Obviously being a, a absolute Washington uh, guru, but Keith Taylor's just a different type of player. And the little snippets I've seen, it almost feels like he might thrive best in like a Seattle cover three, just because he's so long and he's, it feels like he's got good enough ball instincts in order to kind of take over in that kind of Richard Sherman-esque style. Uh, tell me more about Keith Taylor. So the thing about KT is like I was talking about Molden's technically perfect. Uh, KT is very close to that where he, 
he's got that. He's, yeah, he's almost six three. He's got those really long arms, and I agree that he could thrive in that cover three type of role. Uh, but he's also just so good jamming dudes off the line of scrimmage because it's so hard to get around those arms of his. Uh, so that's always really fun to watch. The one thing that I was really glad to see him sort of show out at the senior bowl is there have always been questions about his just general ball skills because he didn't have an interception throughout his four years at Washington. Uh, I know there was a play that was circulating uh, around Twitter. It was um, a dropped interception of his that led to a Matt Bushman touchdown where it just goes through. <laughs> he, he double juggles it. He kicks it up. It's, it's hit, hits him right in the hands and he kicks it up from his knee and lands right in the arms of Matt Bushman for a touchdown. Mm. Um, yeah, it, th- that was his junior season. Thank God. But um, it's one of those things where he, the Washington defense is so weird when it comes to their corners because Elijah only had four picks uh, throughout his entire college career. And three of them came from his junior season. And the last one came as a senior. So it's one of those things where, stats don't necessarily tell the full story because these dudes aren't necessarily tested quite often. It's there's a lot of dump offs because the the coverage over the top is always so good. But when it comes to Taylor in particular, I think that he, like I said earlier, he could definitely thrive in the cover three role, but just throwing him on the boundary against a bigger Mike Evans type, or just one of these guys that are, big and like to play physical on the line, I think he can really thrive in a role like that. Yeah. And I wouldn't doubt it with that size. Uh, And you kind of alluded to the interceptions, not really telling the whole story. And uh, as Vikings fans, it's, it's kind of what we see all the time because Mike Zimmer doesn't preach interceptions. He preaches knockdowns. He preaches disruption because in his mind, a pass defended where the receiver doesn't catch it is just as good as an interception because he doesn't want guys just trying to get picks. He wants them going for the ball. And it feels like kind of just how you're alluding to how Washington plays, that that's kind of what they do. They preach just get the ball. However you can do it, go for it, take care of it. You know, is that kind of what we saw with Taylor and Molden? It's especially when it comes to it, when it comes down, it's, it's a little bit of that, but it's also a lot of, there's just nowhere to fit the ball in when both of those guys are in coverage. So quarterbacks aren't always testing them, which is, I think that's, that's the most telling thing right there, Tyler, is that we, we look at both these guys and quarterbacks when they're making the reads are like, Nope, I, I'm not even going to try it. I'd rather just dump it off underneath to the, to my running back or to my tight end on a drag or just literally anything to keep the ball so far away from those guys because I know they're going to find a way to, to make a play on the ball. So that's one thing that we've seen that for a long time now when it comes to Jimmy Lake's defensive backs. Um, everyone from Buda Baker, Sidney Jones, to this next era, which is going to be uh, Trent McDuffie and Kyler Gordon coming in 2021, it's, it's always going to be the same thing. They preach technicality, and they preach score or get the ball back on defense. Though that is what Jimmy Lake preaches every single day in practice. And that's something that it translates so well to all the guys in the room, because that's just all they hear on a daily basis is be perfect technically and you're not getting tested. And if you are, you better go get that ball. Yeah, that makes total sense. Uh, As we kind of wrap up right now, uh, 
I kind of want to get your opinions on how these prospects should rank one to four as far as best fits for what the Minnesota Vikings like to do on defense. I would say that, especially when I've watched some of their, some of their, uh, their game tape from the past season uh, with all the picks that they've spent in the secondary recently, I would say that I would put Molden Taylor last on that list, not necessarily from a standpoint of they're the least talented because when I ranked the four personally, I think I put Molden at the top mm-hmm. because he's just that impressive in every aspect of his game. But I, for me personally, I like building a, a defensive line from the inside out because if you have two guys getting pressure on the inside, like an Aaron Donald, not necessarily comparing Levi on mm-hmm. and Aaron Donald, because you know, no one can be that. Um, I, it's just, it's so much tougher to defend a line with two awesome defensive tackles rushing the passer. So I would say Levi one, try on two, uh, Molden three, and then KT four. All right. Well, I, I would, as far as like a wish list, that Levi is probably my number one. I just hope that the Vikings don't take a defensive tackle at 14, get a second round pick, and then figure it out. Roman, I kind of alluded to at the beginning of the show, uh, where can people find your work? And I know you actually just had an opportunity to sit down with Molden. That's right. I did. Yeah. I I talked to Elijah last week. Now Uh, you can find all my work at realdog.com. You can find the links on my Twitter, which is our Tomashoff 34. Just feel free to drop me a follow and uh, subscribe to realdog.com. There's going to be a ton of great work on there. As we get closer to the draft, I'm going to be trying to sit down with all four of those prospects. Uh, I'm going to be hopefully attending the Washington Pro Day here at the end of the month. And then there's going to be a lot of work when it comes to uh, like film breakdowns and hopefully more, as I said, more prospect interviews. And then I'm going to be doing a lot of stuff when it comes to best fits and uh, projections on where I think those guys are going to end up landing. Fantastic. Roman, I appreciate you taking the time and I, I know for having it, me. Absolutely. And I know uh, your pups are just waiting for you to pay them some <laughs> attention. So with that, have a great day, ladies and gentlemen, and skull.